Hey, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us online. Uh, we're just gonna jump in. We're on Psalm 23 this week, and we're going through you know different Psalms through the summer in this series. So I'm really excited for this one. Uh, it's probably the most like well-known Psalm, if not one of the most well-known verses of the Bible. Um, it's like the pop song of the Bible. You know, you could compare it to Justin Bieber or a Taylor Swift song, but I think it's like September by Earth, Wind & Fire because September is the best song ever written, just like this might be the best psalm ever written. All right, this is like definitely most well-known psalm um, and for good reason. It's an amazing poem that gives hope and brings comfort and draws us closer to God. Uh, it was written by David who wrote many of the Psalms and was a shepherd, and then later uh, the king of Israel, God's chosen people. And for much of his life, he did what was right in, in the eyes of God, and, and he followed his ways. Uh, if you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard of it before. Honestly, like I remember um, learning this verse as a kid in Sunday school, and but as a kid, I learned, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I'm like five, and so I thought that meant I shall not want God. So I didn't really understand what we're talking about, but I've learned some stuff since then. All right, so uh, to, pre to prepare for this sermon, I um, read this book. Uh, it's called The Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, and this is a lot of like what we'll be kind of teaching from. Uh, it's written by Philip Keller, who for eight years of his life uh, was a, a shepherd in East Africa, and then later moving to become a pastor and an author. Um, and a lot of what I'll be talking about today is from this book. Keller points out that so much of what the Bible is saying is missed because um, there's so much, you know, comparison, teaching, and parables about life back then. Things like shepherding, farming, livestock, wildlife, and fruit. Like, we mainly just have shallow understanding of this because we're city people, right? Like, I grew up always in a city. I don't know, probably most of you did. Most of us aren't farmers. If you do, if you are a farmer, probably know a little bit more. Um, but... Even things like up until, you know, reading this book, I didn't really know what a shepherd did that much. Like, looked at sheep, yeah. Um, but I always imagined a shepherd, you know, just, just kind of being there in case something really goes wrong. But other than that, just relaxing on a grassy hill, laying in the sun, like an, a pff, chill job, pretty easy, right? Um, turns out that's not true at all. Um, but I'm just so far removed from that lifestyle, and I'm sure most of you are too. So... We're going to go verse by verse. Uh, we're going to break some stuff down and hopefully learn some stuff. And there's just so much like amazing teaching underneath each verse in, in the psalm. So open your Bibles to Psalm 23. I'll be reading from the ESV version. So the Lord is my shepherd. Okay, so we're going to stop on Lord just right away. When, when Lord is totally capitalized like this, like if you look in your Bible, you're like, oh, Every letter of Lord is capitalized. So that is referring to the name of God that was given to his people, the Israelites. It's, it's this personal name. It, it brings um, a close relationship you know, with God. It's not just this God that's off in the distance. It's this God that is close and wants to connect with you. And so uh, that name is kind of built on, and through the Old Testament, you can learn a lot more about that. But just so you know, that's what that is about. So it's different when just Lord is spelled normally without the capitals. So we go on, we read, um, the Lord is my shepherd. So if the Lord is our shepherd, then we're the sheep, right? That's the pr pretty obvious metaphor here. Um, so as we're going through, though, we're meant to compare ourselves to the sheep constantly and God to the shepherd. You know, a good shepherd takes care of the sheep. He takes them to new fields to graze, brings them to clean water, um, protects them from wild animals, and, and much more. So 
we'll keep learning more about that. But in, in Israel, uh, when this was written, you know, where this was written, and other ancient societies, the shepherd's work was considered the lowest of all works. Like if a family needed a shepherd, it was always the youngest son, like David, who was forced to be his family shepherd. It's not a great job. Uh, Philip Keller tells us in his book, he says, shepherds had to live with sheep 24 hours a day, and the task for caring for them was unending. Day and night, summer and winter, in fair weather and foul, they labored to nourish, guide, and protect the sheep. Who, in his right mind, would choose to be a shepherd? But God takes up this role for us. God chose to be a shepherd. And uh, later in the Bible, in the New Testament, we see Jesus take up this metaphor. You know, he says, I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep. And that's what Jesus did. And remember that the shepherd is, just like we said, just the lowest position. So Jesus lowered himself, became humbled, a humble servant for us. And now he calls us to do the same. Just, we're going to keep jumping verse by verse. So um, then it says, I shall not want, or in the NIV version, it's I lack nothing. So what does that mean? Does that mean material wealth and blessings? No. No, it means, it means contentment. It's not, I shall not want because I have all these things. That's not what David was saying. He was saying, I shall not want, period. Why? Because he had God. Because he was in the hands of a good shepherd. Being content in God in the good shepherd is not about being content when life is good. It's about being content in every walk of life. When it's good or bad, when you're rich or poor, you know, when the world is normal and when it's like this. Contentment is being content in God at all times. So when we read this verse, we shouldn't be thinking, oh, David must be rich and have an easy life. No, he, he did later when he was a king, but not, not all of his life. And he says, I shall not want here because he knew that his soul was taken care of and nothing else mattered compared to that. So listen, your soul is so important. It's, it's so important because this life on earth is short. And your time here will be done before you know it. But your soul is eternal. So is your soul in the hands of a good shepherd? And even right now, your soul matters. Your, your inner being matters. Because right now, a lot of us are probably weary. And you're not just body. Your soul is weary and tired and needs rest. And, you know, I think part of that reason is because we're, we're always wanting we're always looking for more, and it's this endless cycle, and it's this exhausting cycle, and in the end, it leaves us empty. But why do, we, why do we always do that? Why can't we be like David and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? It's because we haven't learned to be content with God. Probably because I think we haven't really understood what Jesus has done for us on the cross. You know, if we have a full scope of the gift of his death and new life and what he gave for us, we would stop trying to accumulate all this stuff, hoping that it would fill us up spiritually and emotionally. Jesus is offering to fill us up. He's offering that new life. And instead, we want more stuff and more respect and more power because I don't think we truly understand what Jesus did for us. And it's a lifelong journey to more and more understand how great our sin was, how great his sacrifice is, and, that how, and how that's all we need. And, you know, along the same lines, uh, when we aren't content with God, we sin. 
Because why do we sin? Well, because God doesn't satisfy us. We either think we know best or we aren't satisfied in his path, in, in his way of life that is, you know, that is set out for us. We aren't satisfied in that. And I'm, I just think if we aren't satisfied in God, I don't think we know him that well. I don't think we've, we've had a close relationship with him yet. Because the more and more that I look into everything that is part of the way of life, uh, God's way and, and the way of following Jesus, I find that it's no doubt the best way for us. Every time I look into something, it is the best way for us. Things like, it's just like, you know, the Bible says to be content and with less and, you know, be generous with what you have. And, and studies show that less clutter, you know, is better for your mental health and, and focus. Um, you know, God wants us to have a deep and loving relationship with, e- with each other. And what does science tell us? Like, that people are lonely and that that is damaging. And the remedy for that is community. Jesus demonstrates this unhurried life and practices the Sabbath and, and having rest. And what do studies show? That we need to sleep and we need to rest. And anything above like a six-day, 50-hour work week is actually detrimental to your mind and your focus. And like also the Bible says, you know, flee from sexual immorality. And again, what do we see? We see that that porn is destroying the minds of people who watch it, like just destroying this next generation and, and our world. And it's rewiring brains and it's causing damage and severe addiction. You know why? It's because the Bible isn't a rule book. It's not this oppressive rule book from this God that's far off. It's a loving guide from a good shepherd for the best way of life. Let's go to the next verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Okay, so just a quick overview. Uh, We don't have time to go deep into every verse um, because there's just so much good stuff here. But sheep don't lie down most of the time. There needs to be four things that are taken care of before they will lie down. Uh, So I want you to write these down and later I want you to reflect on these for your own life. Because we are the sheep here. And um, God, the good shepherd, is the answer to our problems. So... Sheep won't lie down if they're uh, fearful. So are you worried and scared all the time? Um, Sheep won't lie down if there's friction and fights with other sheep. You know, are you too caught up in arguing and useless fights with people that you should be loving? Um, Sheep won't lie down if they're being bothered by flies and parasites, which um, if they can, you know, get into the sheep's skin or whatever, they cause huge problems which for us is, are those like daily annoyances that are just pests and bugging us. But if those take root and those grow, they just become anger and resentment. Um, and then sheep won't lie down if, there is, if they're hungry. There's famine. So fear, fights, flies, famine. How are those affecting you and your rest and your ability to lie down in the presence of God? I'd like to go deeper, but we don't have time. So keep moving on. Uh, Verse three, he restores my soul. He restores those who are downcast. You know, those who have failed or those who are in pain. Philip Keller makes the connection between other Psalms that, you know, uh, say, why are you downcast, O my soul? And he he brings this connection to a sheep that is uh, cast is what it's called. A cast sheep is one that is stuck on its uh, side or on its back, and it can't roll over and get back on its feet. 
you know, it was lying down and then the weight shifted and then, and then just stuck on its back. And, you know, because the way of the sheep's body is, gases actually build up um, when they're upside down and they can die within hours or the prey comes and get them because they're, they're vulnerable and they can't run away. So sheep get cast for three main reasons and see if you can see the parallel here. Because they are in too comfortable a position, they have too much wool, and they are too fat. Listen, you know what this verse is saying to us? Why we get in these positions where God needs to restore us, why we are cast down? This verse is saying you can comfort yourself into destruction. You can build up so much comfort and pleasure in life that it's actually a danger to your soul. You know, there's a predator waiting in the bushes uh, for a sheep to roll over and be defenseless, just like there's an enemy, there's a devil who is waiting for you to be in a vulnerable position and then he'll strike. That is when he'll start speaking lies over you and maybe you'll start to believe them. That is when he'll bring um, suffering and hardships into your life and and he'll draw you away from God or he'll tempt you into sin and you're just not in the position to resist. We become vulnerable because we're too comfortable, too fat, too much wool. So what, like, what, is that, what does that mean for us? I think it means our lives are too easy. If all you do is take and take and you, and you take in pleasure and the things you want, you get fat spiritually, emotionally, you get unhealthy. And, and here's the issue. Here's another issue. When we are comfortable, we don't want anything to threaten that. When we are comfortable, it's so easy for that to be our first priority. You know, it's just like, I, I don't want to talk to that person about Jesus because that'd make me scared or awkward or I don't really want to volunteer at church because I'm just comfortable with just watching online or just coming in, listening and, and leaving or, you know, I'm comfortable and I have all this stuff and I don't want to get rid of that. I don't want to give any of it away because it's it, it just makes me comfortable and I like this luxury I live in. And it's like, God, don't you want me to be happy? No. I don't see that in the Bible. God isn't trying to make you happy. He's not trying to make you comfortable. He isn't trying to make your life easy. He's trying to make you more like Jesus. He's trying to use you to spread the gospel, to be a light in the world, to do good things and bring glory to him, to actually have an impact on the people around you. And what we don't understand in a shallow relationship with God is that there's actually deep joy and pleasure in those things. And anything the world can offer is just a knockoff. So there is pleasure, but you need to follow the way of God. If, if pleasure and comfort are our first priorities, we're going to be led the wrong way. Comfort's tempting. I get that. I struggle with that. I'm, I'm thinking sometimes like, my life is easy. I, I don't know what to do to follow God. It becomes blinding sometimes. And, you know, you can look at this and you can look at the other verses and think, oh, I thought God wanted to lead me beside, you know, uh, still waters and in green pastures. But those verses are actually about finding rest, joy, and contentment in the way that God is leading. And the way that God is leading has things that are actually good for your soul. They are not about finding comfort in this life that will stop you from following Jesus. And, you know, I actually think comfort may have contributed to David's downfall. It's almost as if David, who wrote this psalm, 
like I said earlier, predicted his own downfall. We learned a few weeks ago in the first message of the series from Psalm 51 when, you know, we learned of David's worst decision. And when was that made? When he was most comfortable. He was king. He had all this wealth, all this power. Uh, God helped Israel win many wars, so he was just on top of the world. And then when the Bible tells us when he should have been at war, he was at home in his palace with his feet up probably, living the easy life. And that is when he was tempted and he failed. And God forgave him and restored him. But when you read the rest of the story, his actions can't be undone. There's consequences. And there's so much pain that followed David's story because of his actions. It can probably be traced back to partially comfort. He got too comfortable, and he, he chose that instead of following God. But here's, here's the thing with the Good Shepherd. When you're cast down, when you call on God, he's there to restore you. After your weakest moments, in the darkest times, the Good Shepherd restores his sheep. He restores your soul. Only God can do that. And we need that. There's a lot of pain in this world, and, and I hear a lot of stories of, of people's pain and hardship, but, you know, the stories of God bringing them out, lifting them up out of the darkness and restoring them are just beautiful and encouraging, and that's what God wants to do for you. Next verse is, He leads me in passive righteousness for His name's sake. Um, so everything should be done for God's glory. You know, we live to honor Him. Got to keep moving, though. Um, Next verse, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So Philip Keller points out that in Christian life, a lot of the time we talk about wanting these mountaintop experiences with God, right? And that's, that's good. But how do you get to the mountaintop? You have to walk through the valley. You have to make it up the mountain where it can be dark and a dangerous journey. And again, here's the problem with, with pleasure and comfort is we never get to the top of the mountain to enjoy what God has for up for us up there if we're too scared, if we're too uncomfortable to walk through the valley. Next verse is, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So now we come to a good comfort, finding comfort in God and, and not the things of this world. The good shepherd protects his sheep at all cost. And the rod helped the shepherd protect um, himself and his sheep. And, um, you know, one use of the shepherd's rod was for fighting off predators. Like there's cougars, bears, wolves, or lions, depending on, you know, what region you're in. Um, so I'm going to brag a bit because we're speaking about wolves. Um, I just, I really love wolves. I think they're so cool and so sweet. I don't know. I don't know why. I just really like them. Um, and recently I went to a wolf sanctuary in Cochrane. So I have to say, or I guess not legally, but I'll tell you to be honest, they're not 100% wolves uh, because it's illegal to own wolves. But as soon as you breed um, them with dog, even just like 1% dog, you can own a wolf-dog mix. So people breed them, sell them, and then this sanctuary in Cochrane takes them in when people realize, oh, this is instinctively still a wild animal and not a good pet. So unfortunately, they're not full wolves, but uh, most of them are high percentage wolf, which is really sweet. So... 
I got to go uh, be up close with them, uh, like hand feed them, and it was so sweet. So uh, I'm gonna show you a quick video about it because it's awesome. And sorry that it was taken, the video was taken in portrait mode. I didn't really think I'd use it for a sermon. I was just like, I'll throw it up on my Instagram story. But anyway, check this out. You can just breed a 90% to a 10% to produce uh, like a 50 or something. Um, or you could breed two 50% to produce more 50%. So they had to do it more off the visual. Um, so just to kind of give you guys that gap in content. It was so sweet. Like I loved every minute of it. Like anything like wolves, cougars, bears, any kind of predator animal, that's all so cool to me. But think about being a shepherd and fighting off predators to protect your sheep. Like when David faced off against Goliath, he said to the king of Israel, now I'm not scared of Goliath. I've fought a bear and a lion and God protected me through that. That's crazy, okay? But think about this. If a shepherd is willing to fight off that kind of predator to protect a sheep, how much more is God going to protect you? God is the good shepherd. He protects us. So again, no, you're not, your life... That doesn't mean it's going to be easy and comfortable and you never have any issues. No, God's more concerned with your, with your soul, with protecting your soul. And you know, we should be more concerned with our souls, our inner beings, more than our outer beings. If we follow God, he'll protect us, take us through the storm, through the valley, protect us from evil and sin. And he's already taken, you know, the weight and punishment of sin and put it on himself for us. God protected us from the punishment of sin and he's protecting our souls now. So God protects us, yes. But also the rod and the staff are used to discipline and correct wayward sheep. Keller says that uh, the rod was mostly used for discipline. So then why would David be talking about something that is used for discipline and saying that's comforting? Well, because it means you're on the right path. Discipline shows you the right path. You know, it's good for you even if it hurts. That's why it's comforting. When, uh, you know, a parent disciplines their child, not, not abusively, but discipline that is fair and meant to correct and is done out of love, your child will grow up to thank you. Like, they'll be glad they, they, you actually parented well and, you know, even in the moment, they're screaming their heads off and crying. Like, I'm glad that my parents disciplined me and I didn't turn out to be a brat. At least, I don't think I am. Hopefully not. And, you know, it's the same for us and God. We're his children. We don't know what's best for us, really. We don't see the whole picture. We see here and now, but God sees beginning to the end. And then down the road, we'll look back and we'll say, oh, that was good. No, it was hard at the time, but that was good for me. Thank you, God. Discipline shows you the right path. That's why it's comforting. Sheep need to be disciplined so that they know the right thing to do. They're eating poisonous weeds. The shepherd would smack them with the rod. Like, don't do that, you know? The sheep are drinking dirty water that's going to poison them. Don't do that. Smack. Sheep are crawling through the fence and getting into danger. Smack. Or apparently, I learned from the book that they're really accurate with throwing the, the rod. And so, I don't know, they'd whip it at them, I guess. Um, but why does the shepherd do that? Is it because he's oppressive and controlling? No, it's because the shepherd knows what's best. He loves the sheep and wants what's best for them. 
God's discipline is not wrath or punishment for our sin, because Jesus took that. God's discipline is to lead us back to him, back on the right path. But again, we come back to the biggest issue, or at least the biggest issue I'm talking about, comfort and pleasure. Discipline is uncomfortable. It doesn't feel nice. You know, usually admitting sin and getting back on the right path has its fair share of discomfort. And, you know, it's easy for comfort and pleasure to get in the way of what's best for us. So we need to be ready to put Jesus first. Put Jesus first above any comfort or pleasure. Really, really what it comes down to is this. A comfortable life leads to destruction but a life of contentment leads to joy. You can go after comfort, but in the end you'll find destruction. But if you sacrifice comfort and live content in God and content in following his good path for you, it will lead to a deep joy. A comfortable life leads to destruction, but a life of contentment leads to joy. Verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Again, we don't have time to cover this verse, so next one. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So here's the thing I learned, another thing I learned from the book. Um, Sheep can be the most destructive livestock if they are not managed well. Um, They eat everything and eventually pull up the roots. They walk the same path and, and wear out the ground and cause erosion. They pollute the ground and it becomes filled with disease and parasites. And so sheep on their own will leave a field, an utter wasteland eventually. But under good management, under a good shepherd, they can actually leave the pasture in a better condition than when they first came. Out of all the livestock, they have the greatest um, potential for good and for harm to the field, to the things around them. Just like us. We're sheep. Just like we as humans have so much potential for good or so much potential for harm and evil. Left to our own devices, we will cause harm and destruction, but under the good care of a shepherd, goodness and mercy will follow us. So you have to ask, what is following you? What are you leaving behind? When you go into a church or you go into a job or uh, into a friend group, what follows you? When you look behind, what do you see? You know, have you left goodness and mercy and love? Or have you left division? Have you left behind, you know, backstabbing or hypocritical actions? Have you left gossip or anger or um, hatred? Like, you can tell a lot about who you are if you look behind you. What have I left in in my wake? Are the people I talk to encouraged? Did I show them the love of Jesus or have I left destruction behind me? That will tell you right there if you are one of the good shepherd sheep or if you're following your own path in life. You have to ask, what am I leaving behind? And the last verse is, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's just an amazing promise and statement to end off. 
Two weeks from today, we, get to we live continue our psalm series God, as we look at Psalm 139. But next Sunday, uh, we have a message from our friend and Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada global to, worker, to follow Jesus, uh, Kelly Schultz. To know Kelly him and Ann, to draw closer uh, to be him, in our church family, the good serving God and his mission over in Southeast and right Asia. Now, right now, Kelly you is uh, recording his you, message there and sending it to us best for, for us to be encouraged in amazing ways. Next Sunday, unprecedented love is the like to accept Jesus so right we now. Don't miss that. Uh, we'd be so Great excited to uh, have you with us today. Words. Have a fantastic week. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Thank you for, for coming back to life to forgive those sins. Thank you for your forgiveness. Jesus, I accept you as Lord, as my Savior, as my treasure, and I commit to following you every day of my life. Thank you that you are the good shepherd. And as your sheep, I want to follow you. I trust you because I know that you are all powerful and that you are in control. Thank you for this new life that you have given me. Amen.